0: If you are able to stand for the reading of the scripture, I'll be reading Luke two, one through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to him, a firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, For all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The word of the Lord. You can be seated.
1: This week, one of my children said to me at dinner, I like Christmas Eve better than Christmas. And I think I kind of knew what they were getting at. I think I might have experienced this as a kid too, maybe you did too. About this time, so what are we at? About 11 a.m. Probably most of the presents are opened by now. You've got dinner to look forward to, but most, as a kid, most of the things you were most excited about have passed. And I think even as adults, maybe we've experienced this. There's a lot of expectations we place on this day. Maybe so much that the, the day has a hard time bearing that. And I often think about uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas, which I, I watch most every year, maybe many of you do too. And Charlie Brown, of course, is very depressed uh, in this special. He's done all the traditions, he's done the, the presents and the cards and the decorations, and he's still depressed, he doesn't know why. He goes to, um, uh, he, it's all the rampant commercialism he sees uh, just really bums him out. And so he, he goes to Lucy to seek uh, advice, and she tells him to go direct this Christmas play, and of course... This just makes things worse, so he decides to go get a Christmas tree. That doesn't help, and it's this sad little tree that gets mocked. And finally, he famously exclaims, I guess I really don't know what Christmas is about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? One of the, one of the nice things about Christmas falling on, uh, on Sunday is we are, like I said, we're at 11 a.m. The tree has gone up. If yours is like ours... It's looking a little sadder. Ours is tilting just a little bit. Uh, It's not quite as fresh-looking as when we brought it in that day. Uh, Probably a lot for a lot of us, the presents are done. Um, The cards have been sent out. The decorations are are done. Um, So we're kind of on that downslope in some ways of Christmas, even though, of course, that's not the way the church calendar works. We've got 12 days. In most of our minds, we're kind of on the downslope. And we can ask the question, is that it? And I think we're I think we're really good place to ask Charlie Brown's question, what is Christmas about? So I'm just going to offer a few brief uh, reflections this morning. Christmas is about the mystery of incarnation. At the center of Christmas is this little baby born to Mary, wrapped in cloths, and placed in a manger, which we profess as Christians is God become flesh. We call this, uh, in more technical language, the incarnation, which comes from Latin, which means literally embodied in flesh or taking on flesh. God entered the world and became flesh and blood like us. And from very early on, Jesus' followers, they were convinced that in this little baby, in this person of Jesus, God was present in a special way. It wasn't really clear to them how this all worked out. How was God present in this special way through Jesus? Sometimes we forget this took the church uh, hundreds of years to work out what we called incarnation. In 451 at the Council of Chalcedon, it was declared that this little baby boy was one person with two natures. Right? This is called hypostatic union. One person holding together two distinct natures at once. Fully human, fully divine, which makes sense, right? No. It doesn't make sense at all. I- I'm deeply grateful for the hard work that those Christians did those first few hundred years, to try to help us understand what is happening on Christmas Day. But it doesn't change the fact, if we actually stop for a second and think about this, this idea of fully human and fully divine is completely self-contradictory. It's illogical. It defies human comprehension. It's mysterious. I heard someone recently talk about the difference between puzzles and mysteries. Puzzles are pleasant because we can solve them. The other day with one of my children, uh, I sat down. I hadn't done this in a long time. We got out a little jigsaw puzzle, and we put it together, and it was so satisfying. i like, oh, this is why people do this, right? You find that piece, and you plug it in, and you just get this very satisfying feeling. And of course, once you solve it, you may admire it for a couple minutes, but it's back in the box. Uh, you're done. You move on. The point of puzzles is to figure them out, to solve them. After the shepherds visit uh, Jesus, we read that Mary heard the news about who this child was and was amazed. She treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. No matter how great the presents you got or you're about to get received this year, I think most of us, we have enough Christmases under our belt to realize, right, those presents are either going to get used up or sold or worn out or tossed aside, or frankly, we're just going to be bored with them not the gift of incarnation. Christmas is about amazement and wonder and mystery. Christmas is about God become flesh, fully divine, fully human, in this child before us. How can this be? It's the mystery of our faith, and it's the mystery of God that draws us in on Christmas Day. And I hope that by pondering the mystery of the incarnation, we're moved to adoration. Because in our story, the shepherds arrive... They see the manger, they see this sign that they were given that a Savior has been born to them, and they respond by glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. Last summer, I had a chance to visit uh, uh, the Church of the Nativity, which is located in Bethlehem in the West Bank of Palestine. And um, there's a church built over uh, what's said to be the birthplace of Jesus. So you can... um, you can go in this kind of cave-like structure, this grotto of nativity, and it's this crypt, this underground space uh, that you can descend down under in the church, and you can, you can see the spot that Jesus was born. On the eastern side of this cave is the altar of nativity, which marks this exact spot where Jesus was born. It's marked by this 14-point silver star, which, uh, if you remember our genealogy from last week in Matthew's Gospel, we've got... Three sets of 14 generations, and that's what that commemorates from Abraham to Jesus. And so you can descend into this crypt, and then you can uh, kneel before this little altar on your knees, and you can touch the stone. You can, in a sense, do a little bit what these shepherds are doing. You can arrive at the birthplace of Jesus, and you can be moved to this place of adoration. Is this the spot where Jesus is born? I, I don't know. We tend to be skeptical. We as Anabaptists, Protestants, we're maybe not super comfortable with this form of adoration. Um, After we went to this, we went to the shepherd's field, uh, and it's uh, this place that marks not far from there where the shepherds heard the announcement about Jesus. And, uh, of course, I was with a bunch of Mennonites, and we were in this dark, very unadorned cave. It was very simple, very stark. I think all the Mennonites were much more comfortable in that space. And there's something to that. But I was moved in this Church of the Nativity by, uh, by the adoration I saw, and, and even more so at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, uh, the spot where we're more confident marks where Jesus was crucified and where he rose from the dead. And, and pilgrims from all over the world, Christian pilgrims from all these streams of faith arrived at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and arrived at the Church of the Nativity They adored. They were moved. They were actually lie down, prostrate. They would kneel in adoration. I was moved by it. I was moved by this worship. One of the differences between Easter and Christmas is that uh, uh, in Jesus, in the nativity, he's not doing anything, right? He's just a baby. He's just in this manger. He's not doing anything. At Easter... Rightfully so, we focus on what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. But as Michael Marscano points out, Christmas is a time to focus on who Jesus is. Okay, when we arrive on Christmas Day and we imagine the nativity, we could only stand amazed at the child before us, an amazement that should lead to adoration. Right? The carols we sing capture this. It's why so many of them, as Michael points out, come back to this note of simple adoration. Think about it come let us adore him. Or they'll pose a question like, what child is this? They're asking us to come in adoration. They're asking us to come to ask the question, who is this? I believe that God has placed a hunger in our hearts. I believe we thirst for something. I believe we long for something. I believe all of us want to worship something. I believe, as often is said, we were built to bow, to adore, to worship something. There's something in us that wants to do that. And Christmas brings together so many good things. I think that's why we love this holiday, rightfully so. It brings together so many good things, family and friends and feasting and presents, wonderful things. But we know, and maybe it's at 11 o'clock on Christmas Day, we start to realize that it can't satisfy that that deepest hunger in us. We want to worship something, and all that just doesn't quite satiate it. We want to worship something. We want to worship someone. It's Jesus Christ. We encounter the mystery. We ponder the mystery. We're moved, hopefully, to adoration, which finally leads to joy. In 1963, C.S. Lewis wrote an essay called The Seeing Eye. It was, uh, he wrote this essay in response to the Russians who had just sent the first man into space. And the Russians reported that he went up there, no God. Right? You probably remember, some of you probably remember this. And Lewis argued that this was nonsense, that this is not how God would relate to us. You can't just go up into the sky and find God. And he writes this in that essay. If there is a God who created the world and created us, I could no more meet him than Hamlet could meet Shakespeare. If Hamlet wants to prove there is Shakespeare, he's not going to be able to do it in a lab, nor is he going to be able to find Shakespeare by going onto the top of the stage only way he will know something about Shakespeare is if Shakespeare writes something about himself into the play. What Lewis meant is that, Hamlet, if Hamlet wants to know Shakespeare, he can't just travel somewhere to find Shakespeare. The only way that Hamlet is going to know Shakespeare is if Shakespeare, the author, writes himself into the play. That's what God did. God wrote God's self into the play, into this drama of creation when God took on human flesh. And by doing that, we know God. We know God is a God of love because God has invested in God's creation enough to write himself into the story. Yes, God is mystery. We need to hold on to the mystery of God. We've got to make sure we're not putting God in a small box. But thankfully, God is a God of revelation. God doesn't leave us guessing, what is this God like? God has shown us what he is like most fully in this baby which grows up into be a man who gives us our best picture of what God is like. And what a beautiful picture. As we ponder who Jesus Christ is, what a beautiful picture that we get of who God is. A God who loves us enough to write himself into the story. This is the last and the best present of Christmas Day. In response to Charlie Brown's question, of course, Linus Van Pelt walks out on stage And this shall be a sign unto ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill.